Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, founder of the Day One Network, which is bringing the history of the Australian startup ecosystem to you. I believe in founders. It's why I do everything I do at Day One and our media company, W2D1 Media. And that's why the Day One Network exists to create helpful content for founders. We've got some great shows in development, but a large part of what we do couldn't be done without support from our partners and sponsors. And I couldn't be happier than to be working with NTP, who get community better than any other technology recruitment company out there. A Newcastle company like mine, NTP, are invested in seeing the growth of the local tech community in Newcastle, Sydney, and more broadly, Australia. So thank you, NTP, for helping us bring helpful content to founders and the startup community in Australia. Back to the interview. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, founder of the Day One Network, which is bringing the history of the Australian startup ecosystem to you. I believe in founders. It's why I do everything I do at Day One and our media company, W2D1 Media. And that's why the Day One Network exists to create helpful content for founders. We've got some great shows in development, but a large part of what we do couldn't be done without support from our partners and sponsors. And I couldn't be happier than to be working with NTP, who get community better than any other technology recruitment company out there. A Newcastle company like mine, NTP, are invested in seeing the growth of the local tech community in Newcastle, Sydney, and more broadly, Australia. So thank you, NTP, for helping us bring helpful content to founders and the startup community in Australia. Back to the interview. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, and welcome to Day One, the podcast that spotlights Australian startups, founders, and the organizations that empower Australian entrepreneurship. We go back to the beginning to tell the story of Australia's most inspiring founders and how they built their companies. You're listening to a special interview series as part of a documentary W2D1 is producing about the history of the Australian startup ecosystem. On the episode today, we have... Hi, I'm Maxine Sharon and I'm Program Director of Spark Festival. Spark Festival is Australia's largest event for startups, innovators and entrepreneurs. We started off being a Sydney-based activity in about 2016, but since then, and in particular thanks to COVID in 2020, we've taken a lot of our events online, as will happen this year as well, and that's had the the massive benefit of being an Australia-wide event, both in terms of the people who present on the Spark Festival program and the um, most importantly, the people who can tune in and um, catch all the benefits of this terrific program. Just as a follow-up question to that, you were talking about how much work it is to run it and how many people you've got to organise. Why do you do it? Why do I do it? That's an excellent question. No, it's the people you meet along the way, you know, and whether that's actually the people who are um, running... Like, I, I meet... First of all, I meet a lot of the people who are running programs like accelerators and incubators and co-working spaces and all the other support for the startup ecosystem. And they're really interesting and passionate about the community as well. But I really loved a lot of the founders that you meet, even the somewhat crazy young ones who've got all these amazing world-changing ideas. Their level of belief and commitment to those ideas, I find extremely inspirational. So that's why I do it, you know, to help empower those people, give them a platform and also to connect them together. That's a very rewarding um, thing to do in and of itself. 
was getting involved with Spark Festival your first introduction to the startup world or had you been involved before that? No, not really. I, meaning I had been involved before, but yeah, it had been a while before. So what happened was back in 2004, myself and my co-founder, John Orsop, started an event that was called Web Directions. Now, Web Directions was Australia's first event for web designers and developers, which starting in 2004, there was so much untapped demand for this kind of thing. So it was almost like instant success, basically. And we ran that. John, in fact, still runs that and he's changed in all these incredible ways and morphed with the times that have happened. But I was involved in that for about 10 years, I think. And I was actually just jogging my memory before we spoke just now. And it was back in 2012, we ran a startup track as part of our conference that year. And uh, we had people, invited people along, like Rebecca Campbell was there and Avis Mulhall spoke, Mike Cannon-Brooks and Lenny from SitePoint was there as well. And then we had a couple of internationals as well. We had Derek Powerzek and Heather Champ, who'd been involved in the early days at Flickr, which was still a big deal at that time. We had the Bug Herd guys there who I was just seeing their conference session that year was the incubator experience because they'd actually been through Y Combinator and come back. So, yeah, that was my first brush with it. But it was interesting because at that time we saw it as being just this, you know, an element of where you might go in your career if you come from a background of being a web designer or a developer. My how things changed in the next five or six years. So I ended up finishing up at Web Directions in 2014 and I was lucky enough to be in a position to um, take a, well, it turned into an 18-month sabbatical. It was going to be two years. And, uh, yeah, at the end of that 18 months, I met someone who introduced me to Alex Scandura from Stone Chalk and they just started, they'd done a startup week in the previous year in Sydney in 2015 and they wanted to sort of do their own thing with something like this and that's how Spark Festival was born. And I must admit at that time, yeah, I knew very little about the Sydney startup scene and I... I didn't really think it was such a thing, but as soon as I started investigating, you know, I found out that SIDSTART had been running for a couple of years at that stage and all that, you know, we'd started our own incubators and accelerators. Stone and Chalk was very much a thing by 2015. And yeah, it's just grown and grown from that time, you know. Who was behind SIDSTART? So SIDSTART became StartCon. So what happened was that was Start, SIDSTART was an event that Pete Cooper ran in, I was actually talking to John from Web Directions about this just before we spoke. I think it must have been 2013 or 14 that Pete would have done that for the first time. And I think he did it every year, including 2015. And then he, I'm not sure what the commercial arrangement was, but he sold it to Matt Barry from Freelancer. Oh, right. So the first StartCon was in 2016, the same year as the first um, Spark Festival, in fact. 2012 seems to be the year where a lot of people, you know, reference as, as when things really started to get going. Back in 2004, did you have any idea of the startup? Any kind of early musterings, I guess, of the, of the startup ecosystem? Hmm. I don't think we really did in 
before, I mean, John and I had actually already had our own, you know, I'm not going to call it a startup. It was an online business in the 90s. We wrote software or shareware, as it was called back in those days, that you could sell online. And this was software that you used to create, to build web pages, basically. It was a style sheet editor called Stylemaster. And digging back, I'd say we launched that in about 1998 or something like that. And we were actively selling it online. Our first editions, we were um, selling them literally um, sending floppy disks to people in the mail. That's how old I am. (laughs) But then we found out, you know, there were things like two cows where you uploaded the limited version of your software and people downloaded it and then it expired after 30 days and hopefully they paid you $30 or whatever it was. And um, we actually had a nice little business doing that by about 2004, but we definitely did not identify as startups. Like we, I guess we saw ourselves as an SME who were very, very independent in a way, and that's what we loved about it. And that's also what Web Directions came out of because developing a style sheet editor, we were obviously into like all the massive changes that were happening in web design and development at that time, and we got to know so many you know, I, I know it sounds weird now, but there were so many sort of rock star developers at that time and we got to know them and they were the people who we got to speak at our conference and that would get people um, signing up in their droves to, to hear from people like Doug Bowman and Dave Shea and Jeffrey Zeldman who are no longer very famous anymore, but they were dead famous back in 2004 and 2005. So, so jumping forward to... Around that 2012 time, what did the landscape look like? Were you aware of the community? How big was the community then? Yeah, look, I was aware of startups being a thing and that various of my friends, like I, I actually knew Cameron Adams from Canva. He'd already actually started a startup out of our Web Directions office that got to a TechCrunch announcement and then quickly folded sometime after that. So and, and then I also had some um, close friends who also worked out of our office who'd um, started some sort of Minecraft startup back then and then they'd gone to Y Combinator and moved to San Francisco. But there wasn't this sense of community, especially not in Sydney. I definitely did see what happened with my mates who um, moved over to San Francisco and did Y Combinator that suddenly they were... Like it was all about the community and the people they were working with. And there was a pretty stark difference at that time between um, your experience in San Francisco and your experience in Sydney. There probably still is, but I think Sydney would now have its, or Australia would have its compensations as well. What would be the obvious kind of differences that you would point out between those two experiences, Silicon Valley and Australia? There just wasn't really a community at that time. You Mm. would have been very much on your own really how did you even meet other startups i know there were other accelerator programs that had started i'm not sure the year but i know murray d would have been around for a while then and i know remarkable would have been around well i think remarkable might have started in about 2011 2012 but they've been around for quite a long time as well but even those organizations were relatively disparate from each other they were just off in their own little silo, doing their own thing, not necessarily creating this sort of um, meta community in a way. Just a a side question, because I know you you are very well connected. Do you know about this idea or whatever that you want to call it of the Aussie mafia? 
My understanding would be it'd be a loose network. You know, like Australians, like every country, when they go anywhere, they form an enclave to an extent, right? It's like any immigrant community at the end of the day. You find each other, you find those people who've got, who share your sense of humour and your worldview and, you know, you help each other out. And I don't have personal experience of it, but it doesn't surprise me at all that there would be such a thing as an Aussie mafia in San Francisco and I'm sure it is it's actually a very useful thing especially if you can get into it when you first arrive there to um, sort of find your way around meet the right people and all that kind of stuff. What are some of the biggest gaps that you've seen like over time and maybe even today? It's a cliche early stage investment in startups in Australia like the, the money is just not there and we haven't yet developed that virtuous cycle that they might have in other places whereby you've got people who are the early employees of startups that go on to become incredibly successful, the dream being to IPO, and then those people exit from that IPO with um, bucket loads of cash and perhaps more importantly, they have that experience of having been on the team of a very early stage, high growth business. And so... These people are perfectly placed, first of all, to invest you know, their money that they've made in up-and-coming startups, but also to invest that incredible expertise and experience that they've gained in these up-and-coming startups. And I don't really understand deeply the reason why, but it just hasn't started happening here in Australia. I'm not saying it doesn't happen at all, obviously, because there will be plenty of examples of it happening, but it's not happening at scale yeah, that's what I see as one of the big gaps here. Switching gears a bit to be a little more positive, what do you think we're doing as a community really well? And what do you think makes the Australian ecosystem unique? Yeah, okay. I think we're pretty good as a community in a sense, you know. Like it always warms my heart how much people are willing to get behind Spark Festival, for example. And that is at the end of the day a community building exercise. So I think we, we are really good at that. We're good at setting aside our competitiveness to a degree and then working on something that is going to, you know, that rising tide that's going to lift all the boats. That would be one of the main things I would see. And it probably does make us a little bit unique. Maybe it's got to do with our size in a way that it, at this size of ecosystem, you've got to be like that. Do you think we're on the right track? And if not, what do you think we need to improve on? Gosh. First of all, we need more money in the system, as yeah. discussed just previously. What else do we need to improve on? That's a hard one in a way. You know, it's easy to say we need more support from the government. But what does that support, what form does that support actually take? Because I'm not sure that throwing cash at accelerators and incubators is the right way to go about that, which is what's been done in the past. I think maybe it's two-pronged. One is this whole procurement thing from government. I do believe in the power of that. If the, and, and, you know, there's a lot of work being done on that, both at state and federal government at the moment. So that could be a really big change for lots of um, startups and SMEs looking to, to provide goods and services to government. Just out of curiosity, this isn't a question I have written down, but do you have a vision for where you'd like to see Sparkfest in the next 10 years. What's the ultimate 
goal of Sparkfest? Yeah, totally. The ultimate goal of Sparkfest, you know how in Sydney we have Sydney Festival, which is arts and culture, we have Vivid, which is light music and ideas. I'd like to see Spark Festival on an equal footing with that as a festival of innovation and entrepreneurship, new businesses for the 21st century, you know, a kind of celebration of the new economy. But I'd also like it to be an Australia-wide thing that's just as big in Brisbane as it is in Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Adelaide and everywhere. So it's something that everyone feels they've got an involvement in. And in terms of what it actually looks like, my dream would be that Spark Festival could look a lot like South by Southwest in Austin, which I'm not really sure if you're familiar with that event, but it's massive and it's such an incredible sort of coming together of all the different tribes who are involved in um, what they call interactive, which I don't know what that even means anymore. But, you know, it, it really brings that city to life, right? Like all the bars and restaurants get involved in hosting events and all the local businesses run their own sideshow events as well as this. The conference talks themselves are a bit of a, they're the, the bit that a lot of people don't even bother to go and see. It's all just about being there at that time. And I, I do believe we have the capacity to do something like that for ourselves in Australia. We just need someone to get behind it a little bit. What role does, in general, festivals play? Like, how do festivals help move the needle? Yeah, you know, it's it's always a really valid question. Two prongs, in a way. One, sounds like the more boring one, but it's an opportunity for people to share knowledge in that way that, you know, is, is different. You can watch a million YouTube videos, you can read a million articles on Y Combinator, but there's something very valuable about hearing the story of someone who you can really relate to, who you can go up and ask a few questions of afterwards. And then secondly, and it ties to that, is just that networking thing, like the connections that get made. Spark's a little bit different in a way. Firstly, it is obviously in the audience. You go along to something like that and you talk to someone who sits next to you, you talk to someone who presented and then next minute you're working on something together. But because Spark has so many people involved in it as well um, in terms of delivering the program and I create all these opportunities um, for those people to connect, it's quite incredible the number of people who met through Spark Festival and then I find out about it years afterwards that they've gone on and, you know, oh, so-and-so, you know, she's my mentor that I met through your programming meetups or they met co-founders or investors and all sorts of stuff that sort of has, has a life of its own outside what I understand, which is a really nice thing. I want to ask you the advice question. If a brand new founder come to you tomorrow, what one piece of advice would you tell them? What would you say that would slightly increase their chances of success? Well, I'm going to say this will massively increase their chances of success. A couple of things. First of all, I'm sure that everyone will answer this question in the same way. And I also hope that everyone actually listens to this question. It's just that thing of focusing on your customer, finding your customer and focusing on them, forgetting about your solution that you might have come up with that starts off as this great idea but instead a relentless passion for identifying your customer and identifying their needs and serving those needs so that that's the only way basically and sadly it's surprisingly rare and it's easy to lose touch with it as well i get it what do you think defines a startup ecosystem and part two to that is what do you think defines it as a particularly strong ecosystem I guess it, to me, it's something like a collection of 
organizations who are supporting startups and what makes it an ecosystem is that there is connectivity between those organizations right so they're not operating fully independently and without knowledge of each other in fact they know about each other so they can just to give the most trivial example like when someone comes along to your accelerator and they're not right for you you don't just say to them go away you say have you considered these guys here and um, in a network system you can do that whereas when people aren't finding out about each other then you don't have that knowledge that startup probably doesn't have that knowledge and they're six months behind before they finally find out that this might be a really good idea for them and the last question i have is not really a question so much as this interview will be used as part of a, a documentary that we're putting together about the history of the australian startup ecosystem we, we hope this is going to be listened to by founders people that run accelerated programs and any other programs government vcs angels every every actor that is in the ecosystem we hope listens to this what would you want them to hear what's a really important thing that you would want to be part of the series that they would hear and take away i'd ask them to keep on focusing on giving back to that community on some level or even to use the bradfield expression which is to give first right it's something i've always many people i'm not the only one but i'm passionate about creating that give first culture in Australia and the give first culture is just that idea that you you give with no expectation of reward like obviously you don't give everything Brad's actually really good at explaining what it means that even if it means you set aside half a day of your week and that's the day that you will spend 15 minutes with any random person who wants to come and ask you questions for example but you do that with no no mercenary expectation that something is going to come from it so yeah that would be it to um just develop and keep that give first mentality here in australia I hope you enjoyed that interview. More interviews are on the way. Follow the podcast wherever you're listening right now. Stay tuned for more interviews with many, many more amazing people from the Australian startup ecosystem. Thanks for listening and see you next time.